This is the Sunday Sermon Series for Septuagesima Sunday in the traditional Latin Mass calendar. The lesson comes from the Apostle Paul and his first letter to the Corinthians chapter 9 and 10. Brethren, do you not know that those who run in a race all indeed run, but one receives the prize? So run is to obtain it. And everyone in a contest abstains from all things, and they indeed to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable. I therefore so run as not without a purpose. I so fight as not beating the air, but I chastise my body and bring it into subjection, lest perhaps after preaching to others, I myself should be rejected. For I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, all were baptized in Moses, in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Yet with most of them God was not pleased. A continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 20. At that time Jesus spoke to his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And having agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And about the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace idle, and he said to them, Go you also into the vineyard, and I will give you whatever is just. So they went. And again he went out about the sixth and about the ninth hour and did as before. But about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing about, and he said to them, Why do you stand here all day idle? They said to him, Because no man has hired us. He said to them, Go you also into the vineyard. But when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and pay them their wages beginning from the last even to the first. Now when they of the eleventh hour came, they received each a denarius, and when the first in their turn came, they thought that they would receive more, but they also received each his denarius. And on receiving it, they began to murmur against the householder, saying, These last have worked a single hour, and you have put them on a level with us, who have borne the burden of the day's heat. But answering one of them, he said, Friend, I do you no injustice. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. I choose to give to this last even as to you. Have I not a right to do what I choose? Or are you envious because I am generous? Even so, the last shall be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, as most of you know, Septuagesimus Sunday is always the ninth Sunday before Easter, so it changes every year based on the moon and the spring equinox, as those are the two factors which determine our Easter on the Gregorian calendar. Of course, the Eastern Orthodox use either a Julian or a revised Julian calendar, depending which rite they are, and that is why their Pascha is different from our Easter in some years. 
But anyway, for us in the West, this weekend of Septuagesimi means that the priest is already in purple, if you can believe it. So if you're listening to this sermon on Saturday, when you go to Mass tomorrow, the priest will be in purple if you go to the traditional Latin Mass, and that is because we are already starting a penitential season since we're about 70 days out from Easter. The Church asks us to slowly start ramping up the ascetical life today, and dialing down our attachments to anything but God. Actually, the Eastern Rites of the Catholic Church also have a Sunday around this time. Not sure exactly what date it is this year, but they have a Sunday around this time called Meat Fair Sunday, meaning it is their last day of meat, last day of meat eating, rather. And then the next week after that, they have Cheese Fair Sunday, where they eradicate dairy and meat from their diet for the rest of the season until Easter, or Pascha, as they call it. And so notice this starts long before Ash Wednesday. They're basically doing the Exodus 90 fast. And that is one reason why we in the West need to start taking this Septuagesima season very seriously. Um, what do I do when I take something seriously? Well, personally, what I feel most convicted on giving up this year is social media starting Septuagesima. Yes, I'll keep podcasting because I'm trying to teach you, my listeners, on these sermons. But I really need to get off Facebook and Twitter for a 70-day fast unless, unless we go to nuclear war or something, in which case I probably won't have the Internet anyway. But here's why I think it's so important that we get rid of any sloth and anything that slows us down in worshiping God and taking care of our vocations, uh, specifically in this time in world history. And it's this, because these lockdowns under the pandemic, they led so many people to sloth and depression, video games, drugs, and drinking, we really need to tackle that sloth head-on by getting rid of what keeps us from our duties, first to God and then to your families. So it's awesome if you can take on really heavy penances like ice-cold showers and stuff, but the first thing we have to do is double down in our vocation. And that is why today's gospel is perfect because it's all about a group of people sitting around idle who show up late to the kingdom of God. Is that me? Yes. Is that you? Probably. I, su I suspect we've been irrationally idle. I don't know, waiting for more news online in church or state that really doesn't affect our lives. And what happens? We miss the kingdom of God in that. But notice the householder in today's gospel, he doesn't give up on the people sitting around idle. That's what's so beautiful about today's gospel. Yes, he admits that we're late in the game, but it's not too late. And that's the whole message of Septuagesima, that we have not been running a race to Jesus Christ and his kingdom, which is the Catholic Church, very rapidly. And that's why the Apostle Paul tells us today, Do you not know that those who run in a race all indeed run, all indeed run but one receives the prize, so run is to obtain it. And everyone in a contest abstains from all things, and they indeed to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable I therefore run, I therefore so run as not without a purpose, I so fight as not beating the air, but I chastise my body and bring it into subjection. Again, run as to obtain it. And what did I mean about this householder not giving up on us who have not been running the race? Well, running that race in the Catholic Church of the 21st century, running that race doesn't mean we are called to live a frenetic or anxious life. In fact, 
living a generous life for God might be totally compatible with, say, two-hour dinners with friends at, at times, at least in the Easter season, and, say, a good power nap every day. But it does mean living a good Catholic life, I think, now, especially as we hear these readings on Septuagesima, and we're a couple years after these ridiculous lockdowns, I think it means getting rid of that time-wasting that doesn't fit into a category of either worship or social or rest. And by social, I mean like real social, where you're with real people in real life and it's not gossipy. You know, many of my favorite saints describe their interior life as passive, not active. So what does that mean? That means avoiding a life that is either frenetic or lazy. And what did I mean about that householder, that business owner, who doesn't give up on the idle people in front of his workplace? Well, first we have to point out that just doing the sacri- sacraments is not sufficient. Because we heard St. Paul say this. He talked about how in the Old Testament, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. So the thing is, we can actually be doing the externals, but not be living in sanctifying grace. Which is why the most important thing as we start Septuagesima, is to get to confession and name anything that is weighing on your conscience. But let's look again at what this business owner has, or what St. Matthew has to say about this business owner and what this has to do with our life. St. Matthew records Jesus saying today, The kingdom of heaven is like a householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard, And having agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And about the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace idle. And he said to them, go you also into the vineyard. So, are you personally outside the vineyard or are you in it? Either way, it's time to get to work in taking seriously your vocation and your spiritual life. Even if you don't think you have a vocation right now or you missed your vocation, trust me, You do have one, and it's what you're living right now. Even if you're single, either consider making vows as a single person or wait for your spouse. But there are so few friends of Jesus Christ alive today. Well, there's probably a lot more than I actually realize. But there's a lot of people who give Christ lip service as false Christians. If you're listening to this sermon, you're probably at least attempting to accelerate as we hear about running the race of Christ today. And so realize that you are probably one of the few friends of Jesus Christ and realize you have a real vocation, even if that's just praying for the restoration of the Catholic Church this Lent. I shouldn't say even. That is the most important thing we can do at this period in church history is to pray for what Our Lady of Good Success said would eventually happen, the total restoration of the Catholic Church. And if you're taking that up, then you have an extremely important vocation. Even if you don't have the strength for like really intense fasting, pray that rosary for the total restoration of the Catholic Church. And, you know, even those who enter this vineyard at the very end of the workday, they're told to get going on Septuagesima Sunday. St. Matthew quotes Jesus in saying, But about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing about, and he said to them, Why do you stand here all day idle? They said to him, Because no man has hired us. He said to them, Go you also into the vineyard. So, you know, Don't whine that you haven't been a good Christian your whole life. You probably haven't. But our Lord still basically says, go into the vineyard anyway, even though you're late. 
You're late to the game. I still accept you. Get going. Well, let's say you have worked hard for the kingdom your whole life. You also have a strong warning in today's parable. It's this. Don't be jealous when you see the people who come late to the game getting a lot of graces also. Because in that case, your spiritual envy can make you lose your whole reward, just like the older son of the prodigal father. God says to the spiritually jealous today, Take what is yours and go. I choose to give to this last, even as to you. Have I not a right to do what I choose? Or are you envious because I am generous? Okay, now I want to tell you what St. John Chrysostom says about today's parable. Now, saying St. John Chrysostom numerous times in this sermon, that's going to get tedious. So just know that when I say St. John for the rest of the sermon today, I'm talking about Chrysostom, not the apostle or the evangelist. Both are great saints, but today we're going to be looking at that 5th century Eastern father who was patriarch of Constantinople, now Istanbul, Turkey. But he has some great insights into today's parable. And I want to start with what he says about that last line in the parable today. St. John Chrysostom says that Christ adds, So shall the last be first, and the first last, and that many are called but few chosen, need not cause wonder. For this is not something which he, as it were, inferred from the parable, but means this, As the former has happened, so shall the latter. For in the parable, the first did not come last, but all beyond hope and expectation received the same wage. And as that happened contrary to hope and expectation, and they who came late were made equal to the first comers, so shall this, which is yet more wonderful, come to pass, namely, that the last comers shall be placed even before the first, the first being placed after the last. Here we are speaking of two different things. To me... He here seems to be hinting at the Jews and at those believers who first shone forth in virtue and then, turning aside from doing good, fell away, and also to those who, having risen up from evildoing, soon outstripped others in virtue. For daily we see many transformations of this kind, both in believing and in the conduct of life. And I should also note that in one of my former VLXs on today's parable, we talk about how Today's parable does not overturn the Catholic Church's teaching that there are different levels of merit in heaven. But because we covered that pretty in-depth in a previous VLX, using the words of Father Lapide and even St. Augustine, we won't go into that. I will try to find it and link it in the show notes. But in general, St. John Chrysostom, his overview of today's gospel is this. He says, The vineyard is the particular injunctions of God, And his commandments, the time of laboring is our present life. The laborers are all those who in different ways are called to the fulfillment of these commands. He continues, but now the question arises, if those first called were so worthy in their lives and pleasing to God and have shown out in the midst of all their trials throughout their days, how is it that they now have turned to evil feelings, namely to envy and to jealousy? For seeing the others profiting equally with themselves, they say, These last have worked but one hour, and thou hast made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the heats. And even though they would lose nothing, nor would their own wage be lessened from evil and jealousy, they were resentful of what the others received. So again, here St. John is simply talking about how we can lose our wage of being in the vineyard if we enter if we allow spiritual envy to enter into our hearts. 
And this is where he also compares this to the prodigal father's two sons. St. John says, For the son that was worthy is shown to have fallen into the same evil state of mind when he saw his prodigal brother about to receive more and greater honor than he had ever received. In the kingdom of heaven, there is no one disputing or accusing in this matter. Far from it, for there is neither envy nor any jealousy. So think about it. If you have spiritual envy in, in your heart right now, how will you fit in into heaven? You know, your particular judgment will not change you. Purgatory will. But there is there's not going to be any spiritual envy in heaven. And God respects our free will. So when should we get rid of that? Today. So why does God give some people the conversion, the grace of conversion late in life and some people early in life? Well, some people have received the grace of conversion their whole life and they just ignored it or shoot it and they only answer later in life. But sometimes it seems that at least the strongest thrusts of God's graces of conversion can come later in life. Why is that? Did he not want them to convert earlier? St. John answers this very brilliantly. He says, he points to St. Paul. This St. Paul also says, when it pleased him who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, Galatians 1.15, St. John continues, when did it please him? When he was ready to obey, for the Lord willed it from the beginning. But because Paul would not have been obedient, then it pleased God only when Paul was disposed to obey. In like manner, he called the good thief, though he could have called him earlier, but he would not have then answered the call. For if Paul would not have obeyed earlier, much less would the good thief. St. John continues to the latter, that they may learn that it is possible in a brief while to learn the whole to earn the whole wage for this there was need for great courage of soul and of youthful fire to kindle a flame of eager love and form in them the will to endure he showed that it is possible even for these last come to receive the wage of the whole day but he does not say this lest they be tempted to pride but he shows that the whole wage comes from his own kindness and bounty and that by his help they will not be lost but will attain to ineffable joys. St. John gives us a little stimulus of fear too. He says, Unless we lead a life that is in harmony with our faith, we shall be grievously punished. And you know, many of you who listen to my sermons, read my blogs, you probably know that we're all involved in, in uh, church reform. But St. John quotes our Lord in saying this, Unless your justice abound more than the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.20 so what St. John is pointing out is that God does not grade on a curve. You can't point to the bishops and cardinals and others and say, well, they're doing this, this, and this, and I'm doing less serious sins. Jesus says, unless your justice abound more than the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. So that's definitely a major fire under our tails this Septuagesima season to say, I can't compare myself to people I think is worse. I could still go to hell if I don't get my act together and accept the graces that God is giving me. If we fully apply ourselves, says St. John, we can attain to salvation, preparing for ourselves the medicine of almsgiving and so attending with care to our wounds. For oil does not more strengthen the body than almsgiving strengthen the soul, making it impregnable against the devil. And St. John continues on why we should not compare ourselves to others. He says, Do not concern thyself with anyone else, but rather free thyself from blame. For the punishment is greater if while doing nothing yourself you yet blame others. Since while you are sitting in judgment on another, you yourself are as guilty as he. For he permits not the just to judge others, 
and much less those who are sinners. Let us then not judge others. Neither have your eyes on those that take life carelessly, but upon Jesus, and from him, let us take our model. Was it I who gave you what you possess? Was it I who redeemed thee, that thou shouldst look up to me? It is another who has placed all these things before thee. Why turn from the master and look to thy fellow servant? Have you not heard him say, Learn from me, because I am meek and humble of heart? And St. John continues on why we should just compare ourselves to the saints. He says, Why always, O Christian, must you look to what is outside? Why look to others? If you must look at others, look to those who are worthy of your regard, men that are just and upright, whose whole life is lived according to the law of God, not those who are breaking it and live unworthily. But if you turn your attention to those whose lives are worthy, towards humility, towards loving earnestness, to compunction, you will be preparing for yourself a multitude of good things. For you are not to sit as judge upon the crimes of others. You are commanded to judge yourself, not others. Quoting 1 Corinthians 11, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But while we are judged by the Lord, we are chastised. St. John continues, But you have perverted the right order of things when you exact no account from yourself for your own sins, great and small, but instead search carefully into the sins of others. And if I can extrapolate one of the things that St. John Chrysostom says in this sermon without reading all of it, he's basically saying you're going to need all virtues to enter heaven. Again, he's not talking about Pelagianism, earning your way to heaven. He is saying that cooperation with grace is required on all fronts. You can't say, I'm good at this, but I don't have this. You, at least to get to purgatory, um, we need to be moving at 70 miles an hour on all virtues. We can't just look at the few good things we have and say, yeah, but I have these blind spots. You know, and speaking of blind spots, a lot of us, we say, well, Satan's going to attack me in my, in my weak spot. That's true, but keep this in mind. The enemy of human nature attacks not just where you think you're weakest, but the weak areas where you might not realize are weak. There's a lot of people that say, are worried about sixth and ninth commandment sins, and they should be because most people go to hell for sixth and ninth commandment sins. But while they're super jumpy about those, Satan attacks them through getting them to consent to gossip or envy or jealousy. And so this Septuagesima season, I would highly encourage you to not just look at the weak areas of your spiritual life, but the weak areas that you have totally neglected to take care of, the real blind spots of your life that are probably not what you realize are the weakest. And if you really want to uh, challenge yourself, ask some of those closest in your life what those weak spots are. And if they're gentle and charitable people, they can probably strike without wounding in how they share it. But those would be some virtues to work on this Lent. May God bless you all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.